It takes an army to create change in the world. Every person is immensely valuable, even if they don't realize it, and has a lot to give. And it all starts with them. So, yeah, back yourself, live your dreams essentially, because your dreams are fully, fully accessible. And there are people out there to help you kind of get to that place in your mind where you can just thrive. So find a community, find your people, choose your friends wisely and live your best life. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no judgment zone. A certain age is not criteria and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. And we are live on the decision table, so welcome. We are literally, Monica, just having a conversation on here, one human to another, and I'm excited to get to know you. I have never had a conversation with you. I know nothing. And that is exciting. Yeah, me too. No, it's a great, great concept. I love it. Well, here's the thing that I love about it is, you know, so much in our world is decided on or thought about because we put people in a box. We go, okay, mm-hmm. so Monica does this. This must mm-hmm. mean that she is like this. And mm-hmm. I think we miss a huge part of humanity, which is fascinating which Mm -hmm. is exciting, and maybe we could even learn from. So I'm just going to start asking a few questions and we're just going to roll with the conversation. So welcome to the table. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. (laughs) You know, what's really bizarre is actually doing a table live. I haven't done one for a while. I did a whole lot every single day for months. And in the last few months, we've been on the road and I'm not in my normal office. In fact, I'm in a really random room right now. But one of the things I love is that lots of decisions get made at a table. And I think, you know, we can take that table wherever we are, be involved Mm -hmm. in a table wherever we are and have a conversation. What are you seeing right now in your world when having conversations? What are some of the things you're hearing right now? I tend to sort of surround myself with very positive people, (laughs) which is great. So I'm hearing a lot about sort of how the pandemic and lockdown, etc., has shifted people's perspectives for the positive mm. and has made them shift their what they're doing in their lives and some of them are making big changes or some of them are just sharpening the things that they're doing. And like a lot of people, I mix with consciously creating a life that they want. So I don't really have a lot of exposure to people who are talking about how they're suffering a lot right now. Even the people that I mix with whose businesses have been forced to close in the conversations I'm having with them, they are sharing the silver lining instead of, you know, the negative side of that so that's really great and I know yeah that's awesome I love it 
Well, I know it's a limited view, but I really think mm. you surround yourself by people that you sort of based on your thoughts and your attraction points. So I think I have really consciously this year made a decision to sort of do a lot of work on myself and personal development and learn about my brain and emotions and how all of that works. So this year, more than any other year previously, I have focused on feeling good and seeing good and doing good and all I seem to be getting back is good stuff which is good (laughs) which by the way I love and I think is fantastic because you're so right when we focus in on things we tend to draw those to us we tend to you know it's that whole thing if you aim at nothing you'll probably get nothing and you know we often think oh we want this as our result but we haven't even kind of plugged our pathway to it So, you know, what you're saying makes so much sense, yet in a world where there is a lot of challenges, there is Mm. difficulty, and many are going through hard times. Mm. How do you stay focused on that with Mm. being intentional? How do you do that? Well, I'm confronted by that every day because I have two teenagers and a (laughs) 10-year-old. And my teenage girls, they are definitely not seeing this as an amazing time of their life at all. They are struggling with lockdown. So I've often asked myself that question, like how do I bring my positive perspective while they're struggling? And what I sort of have, what I've come up with is two things. So one, it's sort of their journey to live, like they are teenagers. And I was a teenager once and it certainly wasn't the best time of my life. And okay, I didn't have a pandemic to deal with, but or social media and all of those things. But by struggling a little bit in my teens, I feel like it built me into the person that I am today, Mm. which is I'm happy with. And on the other thing, I think if I come to them from my positive standpoint, I think it can only help them. It's not saying they'll buy into my attitude or my ideas or whatever right now, but they don't have to. You know, it's all I can do is share my perspective and they can do what they want with that. So, and it hurts. And I love that. By the way, I really love that piece. And I think just before you move to the next, that's really important to remember, right, is we don't have to go down to, we don't have to move over to. Yeah. We can choose to go, hey, actually, I'm choosing intentionally to be positive, to focus in on the things that are going to be beneficial, the valuable things in my world. And although others might not necessarily come on that journey with us, it is a choice. And I think what I love about that is you've chosen to do that. And I think even though many would not choose to do that right now, many would focus in on things that probably are not going to be beneficial, are not going to make you feel good. And I think that that's interesting. And I wonder, my thinking then goes, is that because you've had challenges in the past and you've learned skills and got resources that can help you do that well? Or is it something that you naturally have always done in your life? I feel very lucky and fortunate that sort of positivity seems to be my default nature. But Mm. it definitely wasn't always like this because, as I said, I went through quite a bit of struggles as a teenager. So I had an eating disorder like throughout my whole high school period. I thought I would never amount to anything. I did not like myself at all. And my I'm relating to a few of these (laughs) things you are saying. Yeah, (laughs) I know. (laughs) 
But I think my mum had a nervous breakdown when I was young. Mm. So I think I was eight and under. So my mum is a child of Holocaust survivors and migrated to Australia from Romania, communist Romania, when she was in her teen, like 14 or something. So obviously she had a lot of challenges, which resulted in her having a bit of a nervous breakdown later in life when I was young. Mm. But a psychiatrist told her that she will always be on medication for the rest of her life. And when she heard that, she said, I will not, thank you very much. And that's when she did her own research to see how she could heal herself, not just through medication and wean herself off. So that's when she discovered, you know, personal development so and meditation mm. and mindfulness and positivity. And so I feel quite lucky because I think by the time I was 10, she'd completely flipped the switch from being kind of having agoraphobia and feeling depressed and not being able to leave the house to being the most positive person you've ever met in your whole yeah. life. And so that happened, I think, just in time for me to go into my second most formative years, probably. So I think I, you know, that's a big part of my positivity where it comes from. And then obviously, yes, I've had setbacks and challenges and all sorts of things in life that I think I've learned from and grown from. All the usual things that everyone experiences from, you know, when I was younger, relationship breakups and things to you know, death, you know, to death of family members to, you know, I've been running a business for 21 years. So there's plenty of uh, challenges. (laughs) A few lessons to learn there, right? (laughs) Yeah. And what I say, and I heard this somewhere, so I don't Mm. take for it, but with every setback, you fill up your resilience bank. So it's like, you break a bone and then if that heals, that bone might become strong. Well, actually, I don't think that is the case. A bad example. But. No, see, no, no, here's the thing. And, I, and I'm going to interrupt here because I actually think that this is not necessarily a truth, what you're saying there. Because I think if you choose, if you're intentional, yes, you can build resilience, you can refuel, you can learn, you know, strategies, whatever it is to help you do it well next time. Yeah. What I have learned is that not everyone chooses to do that. And one of the things that I've seen in many, many patterns through the work that I do is that, you know, a lot of the time people know what the problem is. Yeah. And they keep defaulting back to the problem. What they're not seeing is that there is solutions or know the pathways to solutions. And so that is where your mom learned different strategies to go into meditation. I mean, instead of looking at the problem, the challenges, the hurt, the pain, the whatever anger maybe that she felt, she chose to look at meditation and rewiring to another thing. And I think that this is one of the pieces is very, very important but often missed is that we know the problem In your case, you're choosing to be intentional to rewire to a better pattern that's actually Mm. going to give you better results. What have you seen in your life, in what you do today, that this is a way better default system? Oh, so much. I have spent so many years worrying and feeling Mm. fear in running a business, you know, worrying, worrying about money, worrying about doing a great job for clients worrying about staff or my team, you know, keeping great team members, how to not keep the ones that aren't great. You know, so many worries. 
And I just made a decision, like what you said, I think a year or so ago, that I am so overworrying. I am so over. I love that. So overworrying. <laughs> I am so over wasting my energy on yeah. worrying and anxiety and waking up at 3 a.m. and stressing and fretting. And not saying I was like that all the time, but I'd say I was doing that 70% of the time. Yeah. And so. Oh, it's so liberating to have just released that. And I probably, so let's say I used to do that 70% of the time. I still worry every now and then, but I think it's like 5% now. And it's given me so much more energy to um, live my life in a brilliant way instead of focusing on the fear. Because I think worry comes from fear, you know, and I've Mm -hmm. always known that I'd rather choose to live from love than live from fear. But just with the practicalities of life, I just tended to default to fear. Yeah. Um, whereas now I'm choosing love, not fear, and which means doing scary things like pivoting my business and just having faith that everything will work out and everything always works out for me and all of that stuff. But it's working. Like it's really working. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, tell us, how are you pivoting? What's that looking okay. like? Okay. So for 21 years, I've run a PR agency where I've helped entrepreneurial-driven businesses amplify and magnify their message in mainstream media. I love doing this. Clients I work with are very passionate. What we say is they're living a dream and sometimes a nightmare, quite often a nightmare. Um, (laughs) Solving a problem and improving the life of their client customer or the world in some way, shape or form. So that's been amazing. But in the Mm. last six years or so, I've started giving talks and speaking, presenting on a range of topics, but a lot of it was linked to sort of media and helping clients or helping audiences sort of understand media and how they can use the media or the media's thirst for content to their advantage. Yeah, Um, makes sense. Yeah. Kind of expanded that into more talking about communication. So I've created mm. a new arm of my business called Incredible Communication. And credible is capital C, so it's about credible communication. And the yeah. in can stand for inspiration, intuition, mm. integrity, all these amazing in words. Intentional. And, um, intentional, just <laughs> in. It's amazing how many incredible words come out of that I-N. Wow. And so now I'm sort of developing my professional speaking career, really you know, talking to corporates and small businesses and community Mm -hmm. groups and anyone who wants to learn about incredible communication for outstanding outcomes. And then I'm also working with expert authors. So I'm training them on how Mm -hmm. to, one, develop a very strong and memorable personal brand, and then two, how to do their own PR so that they can leverage their book to become that go-to media spokesperson for the industry and I'm still running my business but at a more sort of downscaled level so but all these changes so interesting you know one of the things that I've been fascinated in the last little while is because of my work and my insights of my work you know a lot of people have seen me very strategic logical analytical quite data driven and pretty geeky and intense Mm -hmm. would be the side what I realized I was really missing in my work was the other side of me that many who knew me in my past lives uh, Uh knew a lot of the fact that I was extremely creative. I love performing arts. I love 
design. I love photography. And what I found really interesting in the last little while is going back to the drawing board and going, how do I bring that back into what I bring to the table? Yeah. Because there were pieces of it that were missing. Yeah. I always found it difficult. You know, I teach around with my insights around the new approach to leadership mm-hmm. and, you know, talking about humanity as stakeholders at the table. So it's pretty intense things. Mm. And it was really easy for me to, to bring it offline with a small group or one-on-one. What I found really difficult was anytime I bought it online, I was having to then go back into, oh, the only way people talk is like this or Mm. this is what people are looking for. And it's been so interesting in the Mm. last, and I've really spent quite a lot of time, and in fact, it's been while I've been a little quiet online in the last probably about three months. And the reason being is that I've really been focusing in, how do I bring some of this So that I can bring my offline brand Mm. onto an online brand without diluting it, by the way. Yeah. Because, you know, when you talk about things like new approach, that means I can't bring it exactly the same as everyone else. I can't do what we've always done with presenting leadership online. So how do you do that in a new world, you know? Are you finding that with the forever changing landscape, the way people are needing to communicate with who they are, what they're bringing to be different? Definitely. I think we're all having to learn quite a lot about ourselves (laughs) and things that we could have just you know, kept going on the way we were, but we're all being challenged. You know, I mean, perfect example is just having moved onto the online world onto Zoom, for instance. (laughs) (laughs) The way you communicate on Zoom, both from a verbal and a non-verbal point of view, speaks volumes and things that you did not need to think about before all of, you know, the online thing became so crucial. When it comes to leadership, I mean, leaders are used to having people there, you know, where they can see them and, you know, pick up things through body language and see little bits and bobs. Now they don't see all that while we're working from home. So they have to find other ways to communicate, show empathy and stay connected essentially with their teams. So how are you seeing that and what are you suggesting we do it in better ways? Like how can we show more empathy on yeah. Zooms? Well, I think, for instance, it's not, okay, well, one good example is if you're diving into a work meeting where you're sort of having a whip and not finding out what's going on, just mm. spending a little bit of time connecting to the actual person, not just the robot doing the work. So actually asking a question like, how are things for you? You know, just how are you feeling in general, not just what are you doing with the work? So there's... Oh, you mean connect with the other human on the other side of it? Exactly, yes. Okay, good. Actually talk to the person about them, not just the work that they're doing or should be doing or haven't done and all that sort of thing. Mm. And then with all the parents who are homeschooling, I mean, I'm just so glad my kids are 15, 13 and 10, so they're more independent, particularly the older ones. But if they were like eight and under, oh, my gosh, you know, how do you do your normal work and homeschool at the same time and not feel guilty with both, you know, ways? So 
I think there is the need to show empathy and again, connect and just show that, you know, that it's more challenging and just give a little bit of slack because that will go a long way to getting one, the best from people and two, just getting that loyalty that everyone wants from their amazing team members. And then it's even the way you talk in Zoom, your backdrops and all those things. So, you know, looking into the camera, so you're actually looking into their eyes, sort of looking elsewhere, you know, and maybe you might consciously choose to sort of have, not mind if your kid comes running in, if you're a leader, to make them feel, I mean, not staging it, obviously. (laughs) You could Trust me, you don't have to stage it. It happens. Exactly. (laughs) So just humanizing yourself as a leader. I think is really valuable. And then I think mm-hmm. the most important thing, particularly with this time, is putting more fun into the work week. So yeah. whether you play a game online of some sort or, you know, I, I've got a friend who's got comedians who come in and do a 10-minute warm-up before the meeting starts. Just <laughs> I think we all need to reconnect to fun. Yeah. And when you were saying that about creativity, The other thing that I forgot to mention that's quite new for me, well, I've been doing stand-up comedy for three years. Yes. And that's taken me and my level of enjoyment of life to a whole new level because it's opened up that creative muscle again. It's allowed me to play. It's challenging me so I get that really great adrenaline rush, you know, when things go well on stage. I'm meeting a whole range of people that I would have never come across Mm. before which keeps everything fresh and your brain fresh and new connections going so uh, creativity I think is paramount so as a leader I think it would be awesome to find something that helps you be more creative and step out of what you do every day and what you know and then encourage your team members to do the same and just have that sense of play and fun and encourage that. So how do you bring the stand-up in your work? Well, (laughs) funny thing is since I've been doing stand-up comedy, Mm. I find that I don't really have a filter, which is not always a good thing. So <laughs> I'm used to it. I've got many in our family who are on spectrum. So that's uh, our everyday life. Yeah, so sometimes I find I do say things that might be inappropriate, but it's weird. But isn't like, that humanising it again? But it isn't is. Isn't that just being real? And people laugh, you know, it is funny. And my yeah. key value is one of my core values is being real. So it totally fits. Yeah. Um And how else? I think it's just helped me work that creative brain and then the creativity. I work in a very creative business and that creativity from the comedy flows beautifully to everything I do from the presenting and putting together original ideas and storytelling with my keynotes to just helping people when I media train them, help them lighten up using humour because they can be quite nervous and that sort of thing. So yeah. I actually personally think I'm a really funny person. My husband doesn't, but I do. And, you know, many people that know me well know that I love to have fun and to really stir up. One of the things, though, I really struggle. So my other half, he really loves comedy, which is fine, except that most comedy that I hear him listening to 
is really putting down either yourself or putting down another human. Mm. And when your whole work is about building up humanity and actually giving humans a voice and loving and accepting the fact that we're all different and that's actually a genius zone that we bring to the table, I really struggle listening to a lot of comedy these days. I love a good laugh. I love having fun. I like I said, I think I'm quite funny and bring jokes into mm. play a lot of the time. But I do struggle that a lot of our humour is nowadays mm. to pull people down. Mm. How can you do that in a way that is bringing it into what you do yet still building the human race up? I think there are different styles of comedy and everyone has their own kind of way of doing it. And some people yeah. start off The most typical way that comics start off is through self-depreciation and, as you say, being mean um, to other people. But then as you get more comfortable, (laughs) and this sounds weird, but then you that's like your crutch. So you Mm. start, that's your crutch. But then as you get more sort of comfortable and confident, you start to move away from that and then you can take it wherever you want. So a big part of my comedy is storytelling. So I think Mm. about my unique stories, things that only have happened to me, my perception of the story and tell it in a humorous way. So one of my give us an example. Yeah. I'm very rusty because that's good. We do rusty here. Yeah. We do rusty here. Like, for instance, I can't tell you line for line, but one of my sets is about meeting my husband. He's Dutch. He was traveling for five months in New Zealand. I was there for one week Mm -hmm. and we met in a bar and we just hit it off. It was love at first sight and things like that. So I tell that story from my perspective in a humorous way. So, for instance, I say something like, so after meeting, blah, 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 I tell the story and then. The next day he asked me to get into his car. Now, I know my mum always told me never to get into a car with a stranger, (laughs) but something told me he was no axe murderer and even if he was, look, he was hot and we all have to die somehow, right? So (laughs) it's just telling a story and but adding the humorous techniques and that technique is kind of, it's very relatable and it's like, oh, we're all going to die somehow, but he's hot. So, look, we've got, Mm. you know. So, and then, you know, he has long hair, so I'm comparing him to Jesus. And, you know, so it doesn't have to be all about being mean and self-depreciating. Once you're comfortable, and not everyone starts there, but a lot of people do start there. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Some people never leave leave there. (laughs) Some people never do, but good comics. Yeah, I really love that. And I think there's such strength in being able to bring that to the table. But I also love it because I think, you know, laughter, we've always heard that sort of saying that laughter is great medicine, you know, for the soul kind of thing. And I think that there is so much truth in the fact that particularly when the world has been facing a fair few challenges, Mm. to have a good laugh, to have humour is healthy for our mental health. Oh, definitely. Have you seen that helping you and others around you? Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. Okay, so there's one thing going to comedy and watching comedy, obviously, that you get a laugh. But it's mm. really just bringing humor into every day sort of things, like cracking a joke about, like not taking everything so friggin' seriously, I think is the main thing. Like yeah. I know life is serious, but you don't have to take it so seriously. Try to see the light in situations that might feel dark or that are a bit more challenging, I think is a very good technique. And, I mean, 
I've always thought you can either cry about it or laugh about it. Like, I mean, there's <laughs> and I know wrong which I'd rather do. <laughs> yeah, like, look, sometimes it's good to have a good odd cry and have that release, but quite often that cry turns into a laugh. Yeah, trust me, I know how to cry. I, <laughs> I can cry really well. But I actually don't like crying. It is one of those things. Yeah. And as the years have got on, whether I like it or not, it happens when it happens. And yeah. like you say, it's like a good release. And I think it's healthy to not hold it in. And one of the things that make me cry is injustice. Like if you tell me mm. a story or anything to do with heartbreaking injustice, I'm mm. like the first that will have tears pouring down her face because yeah you know it's the it's the drive for everything that I do is to be able to give platforms to give voices to people like you know, yeah. maybe haven't had a voice before you know that we need to be able to everyone needs to be able to voice mm. what they need somewhere somehow and you know the worst thing I ever hear is someone not being able to have a voice things like that break my heart but in the same way mm. what I also love you know, the moment when people celebrating and winning and exciting and success and mm. I feel that too. And I think, you know, laughing with a bunch of good mates is, oh, is something about so that. Oh. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, during this time when a lot of us humans have been isolated, we've missed out on those moments, just those moments where even in an office space yeah. that you might bump into a, you know, a colleague, have a great conversation in the corner and yeah. then you're ready to get back to your desk in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, we've recently in Sydney here been allowed to have picnics and I had one on Sunday with four friends. Wow. <laughs> and, oh my God, it was such an amazing feeling. Like, I, I'd done a lot of walking one-on-one -on -one with friends and things, so I've socialised like that. But just yeah. to be able to sit, eat, yeah. drink, laugh and chat to more than one person <laughs> was amazing and just made me realise how much we just take that simple liberty for granted. And I had no interest to get five people on a Zoom. I mean, I have Zoomed with some friends, but it's just mm. not the same as sitting and relaxing yeah. and not looking at a screen. It was really, really amazing. So I think we are all going to really appreciate each other, I think, a lot more. And hopefully it won't be something that we think is amazing and then we forget about it. Mm. Hopefully we'll continue to appreciate it even after it's back normalised again. I agree. And I wonder how, particularly in your work, how do we get, you know, is messaging changing? Is the way we communicate changing? And if so, how are we going to do that differently? Yeah. Well, I think what's important is to become just a bit more conscious about your messaging. So I help people as well develop their personal brand so that they consciously create the perception that they want others to have of them based mm. on their core values, their expertise and their story that they want to share and how they want to help people with their expertise. So I think, you know, what this time has shown us is we can keep flailing through life or we can choose to be more conscious about what we want to do, how we want to be seen, how we want to communicate, how we want to help people. So I think, yeah, that I think there's... Are the bigger media outlets or the, you know, the bigger platforms, do you think they're going to think this too? They're going to see it like that? 
Look, media will always be media and their top priority will be ratings. Now, the way they get good ratings is by getting engagement from Mm -hmm. their audiences and they know they have to keep delivering certain things to get that engagement and it's always going to be a range of things. There's going to be a whole lot of controversial things, sensational things, disaster things, but then there's, you know, they know that people resonate with good news stories as well and a lot of media outlets have been focused on pumping out the good stories to balance the negative stories. So Mm. I don't think media is changing in a hurry, but you see what you focus on. So I see, I mean, I Mm. see the range because I need to, but I focus on the good stories, whereas someone who's got that negative attraction point would only see the negative stories or only interpret the stories as being a disaster or the world's, crumbling and you know so it's all about how you perceive the news based on your goggles that you're wearing I love that so how can we be the best us how can we turn up show up the best us I think first and foremost get to know yourself because you can't be your best you if you just have no clue what you're about how your emotions drive you how your brain works there are things that trigger you and that you react to if you don't know why, if it just takes over and you just don't know why you keep ending up doing the same thing even though you're not happy with what you're doing or what you're attracting yeah. or whatever. So step one, get to know yourself and really work out what's blocking you from being sort of the best version of yourself and clear those blocks and there's a million and one ways to do that. Mm. And then secondly, as I said, sort of be more conscious with what you do with your communication, with how you want to be in the world, and that links to your core values, and they're different for everyone. So for me, one of mine is sort of being kind, and so that's a nice word, but how do I, if I'm not doing that, then it's just words. So I've consciously gone out of my way to make kindness a priority in my behavior this year everything from you know if I see a homeless person talking to them giving them food and or money and things like that making them feel seen to things like helping people with connect them to journalists if I see that they've got something valuable and I can help them to writing book reviews or podcast Mm -hmm. reviews. There are many ways. You know, when I see someone selling the big issue, which I think a lot of people will know, but basically it's a magazine that homeless people, or they don't have to be homeless, but vulnerable people can purchase, sell, and they make money. So I'll always buy one, but I'll always pay double. Um, Hmm. And it's a tiny thing for me. It's like while I'm buying one, I might as well buy two and keep it, obviously. Hmm. And they're like so appreciative and yeah it just makes again makes them feel seen makes them helps them make money get out of whatever situation of challenge they're in and oh there's just so many and then you can look closer to your family you know if my daughter needs a lift somewhere I could easily say no get a bus like why should I or I can say actually I've got a spare 10-15 minutes sure like why not it's not that Mm -hmm. I say that every time but you know so just little things like that so that's just me. That might not. But I love suit. that. I love that. See, it's using. Yeah. I always say it's using with what you've got in your hand right now. I think all yeah. of us have something in our hand that we yeah. can be, show kindness, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'd encourage everyone to be more kind. But mm-hmm. your high priority might be something different. Like, 
achieving something or security or I don't know what it is, but your value doesn't have to be the same as my value because if you take on my value and it's not fully your value, then you're not coming out as being really authentic. I mean, you can consciously say I want it to be a value, but only if you're doing it because you actually want that, not because you think it'll make you look good or Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So if everyone was looking back and at you and they were talking about you at the end of your life, how would you want people to be talking about you? Yeah, this is a great question because I have thought about it quite a bit because my mum passed away seven years ago mm. and so I've thought a lot about how I see her and she was like, as I already sort of described, she went through quite a bit. But towards the end of her life, she was all about helping people, kindness, positivity and all those things. So I have thought, you know, how would I want people to to think of me? And I think what I'd want them to think is that describe me as being generous, so fun and playful, Mm. um, like a loyalty, like so loyal friend, Mm. loyal person to work with reliable because reliable is a big thing for me and just someone who's added something to the world something positive to the world Mm, I love that and I think those are beautiful things right and like even to this day like you've got things in your hands that you can be making steps towards you know, making sure that's what everyone's going to see and remember you for. And I love that. And I think, how do you communicate that to your children? Well, I think a lot of it is through action because you can say, I want to be kind, I want to be this, I want to be that. But words are words and actions speak far louder than words. So Mm. I think it's just in doing the thing and being the thing that you want to be remembered for. And as I said, with mum, like when I think about her, they're the things that I remember based on her actions and the feeling of being with her, of her. It's more a feeling thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the action leads to the feelings and I think what you remember is the feeling, not even the action but more the feeling that person gave you or that. And also some of the quotable quotes. I'd, say, I'd probably <laughs> say it's combination because depending yeah. how you receive it, right? And I think this is the interesting thing about communication in itself is the way that you might think of something, you've seen it in a particular way, you've communicated it in a particular way, it doesn't mean that I will receive it exactly the way that you have yeah. sent that message, right? So I think in what you're saying there that although for you it's the way that you feel about something for me sometimes it's a and I'm an extremely visual person that's why I love design and you know the arts and things like that I love how things look I remember that moment in my brain where I capture a picture of something and that reminds me of that experience or that feeling I love smells in the back of you know the Mm. room right now I've got a diffuser with beautiful oils going Mm. and I love the smells because it reminds me of just you know my creative space of where I'll put on a diffuser and I will get out my pencils on my actually just beside me I've got a whole lot of pencils right Mm. and my paper and that's because a lot of the time I love just getting you know a blank sheet of paper and drawing Mm. things so you know what's really interesting is that 
you know, and one of the things that I teach about a lot of my work is exercising the muscle of human intelligence. And the reason I speak about that is because, you know, the more we use muscles, the more likely there's capacity to have the use of those muscles or to access them when we need them to support when we need extra support and things. And so I'm always trying to stimulate, you know, feeling more smelling more, hearing more, seeing more. And, you know, I have a little bit of a ritual in the morning that I start that off in my day as a conscious thing. But I do it on purpose because it has helped so much in watching other people and being able Mm. to really understand human behavior better and patterns And, and to really be able to go, okay, great. I hear what you're saying, but I actually see something very different happening in Mm. your body right now. Mm. And I can tell you when I've said that many times in life, they've gone, how did you know that? It's Mm. because I'm not looking just, and it's one of the reasons, even when I'm doing podcasts or when I'm just doing an audio recording, I will always do it as a visual as well. Yeah, because I struggle. I remember being on a podcast for an amazing woman and I have to say it was one of the hardest podcasts I've been on. And the reason was she does them all through audio. And so I was like, I can't use any of my other senses to, you know, communicate the best that I know how to communicate. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that's where we're getting to in this world right now is, We are learning that maybe there's other ways to communicate. Maybe there's other Mm. ways we can see new ways to learn, to develop, to stretch, to evolve. And I wonder, I just wonder in our communication, Mm. are we going to keep reverting back to the old ways of communicating Mm. or are we going to listen and learn from some of the things that we've talked so much about in this conversation and be better communicators ourselves Mm. but also communicating the message that we have yeah well I think some people will carry on bringing the new learnings into the future and inevitably some people will go back to you know the old ways of doing things but You know, there'll always be that. As long as a few people bring it forward, then that's something, I think. And then hopefully they'll they'll continue to influence people to continue to do the same. And I totally agree. And I think that's where it's really important right now. Something you touched on, but I think is so important, is that those that are willing to do the new are going to be role modeling what that can look like, what the possibility of what it could be. And this is where role modeling comes into play even more importantly. On that note, if people are to like know more about you, learn more about you, want to connect Mm. with you more, where do they do that best? Um, They they can come to my website, which is www.monikarosenfeld.com.au. So and or email me at monica m-o-n-i-c-a at monica rosenfeld as you see my name in the window dot com yeah find me on linkedin just my name i put a lot of content on linkedin aiming to give lots of value so would love to talk to anyone who wants to learn more about anything i've spoken about today
Yeah, I love that. And uh, I'm going to be trying to take a leaf out of your book on the LinkedIn things. I really struggle on LinkedIn to get things out there, but uh, I'm meant to be. It's part of the plan. So I'm liking that you share a lot of content on there. Okay, so it's got to this point in the conversation where we're wrapping it up, but there's always only... You know, I never know where these conversations are going because, you know, when you've just met someone, you don't know what you're going to talk about or anything like that. But the one thing I do ask on the decision table, on every decision table I have is this, what are you taking from our conversation today? Well, I just really enjoyed speaking to you about your take as well on Mm. on where we're at now in the future. So I just love speaking to other like-minded people because it gives me energy and I think it creates, it takes an army to create change in the world. Yeah. So, and also specifically what you said about using your senses, because I haven't really thought Mm. of it like that as much incorporating the whole visual and the sense, the smell and the touch. So yeah, that's something that I will remember as well as if I ever sort of am tempted to write something self-depreciating or mean in comedy, I'll be thinking, oh, this <laughs> might not get the best reaction. So I yeah, love that. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. No, because it really gets me because, you know, I spend so much of my life where trying to rewire people's thinking that that's yeah. actually not the most beneficial way. And I love humor, but like, why does it have to be that way? So, you know, it is one of those little beefs that I have around that. But, you know, on the other side of it, I love what you were saying. I appreciate those thoughts around, you know, the sensory side of it. And, you know, one of the things that I do intentionally is go for my walk in the morning Mm. and I'll often not listen to something until maybe a bit later in my walk. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is that I want to hear the sounds and it might be Mm. a bird, it might be someone having a conversation, but it just starts making your ears listen a bit more. And then I go, what is that smell that I now smell right now? Mm. And it might be that morning air or Mm. the lavender that is in the, you know, garden over there, whatever it is, right? And you just go, ah. And the other thing is, you know, and then when I start listening to things like, say, podcasts or music, I'm listening with different ears because I'm not just putting it on to fill a gap. I'm actually doing it. Yeah. yeah, but I'm also doing it to stretch and to think and to, I'm listening better. Yeah. And so instead of my brain going, oh, mm. this is what they should say or not say, I'm actually stopped and I'm a little yeah. hushed on it and I'm willing yeah. to maybe learn something from it. And I think those things are things that we can often forget if we don't do it intentional. Yeah. And the thing I'm taking from our conversation is going back to intention. I think that, you know, often that it's really easy to forget mm. to intentionally. And I've done that a little bit lately because, you know, just to keep it really real, like a few, oh, I'm trying to think, maybe even it's not that long ago, maybe even just three weeks ago for about two and a half weeks, I really struggled Because I had had, like, I cannot tell you over the last two years, but it's got progressively worse. Lots and lots of leaders just really sharing their heart, their challenges, and really serving the individual rather than the collective, which I love, love, love doing when we think beyond our own worlds. Yeah. And, you know, so it got really draining. And it got Mm. to a point I was starting to hear myself, I so relate to that. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I had to actually pull myself out of it for a couple of weeks to go, okay, if I'm to lead and to be that in the future a little bit, rather than being here and being pulled down, what would that need to look like? Mm. And so I had to become very, very intentional. Could I do it? Am I willing to step it up? Am I willing to do whatever it takes? And, you know, I really fought with that for two weeks because I thought, gee, it would be really nice to chill out under a coconut palm tree with a (laughs) colada and just be a normal human being like I see lots of other people doing. Yeah, and just walk away from the bigger mission and then I was like but could I live with myself and if Mm. I was looking back on my life is that what I Mm. want to be remembered for Mm. and of course no is the answer so you know but I had to be intentional to pull back up and go actually this is what I'm called to do and this is what I'm called, got to intentionally make sure that I'm refueling by doing these things mm. and I'm going to do it no matter what. And the other thing that I think I've got from our conversation today was that moment when I said to you around, you know, we can choose to go to the side, we can choose to go down to that level or we can say, hey, this is where I'm going mm-hmm. and uh, you can come on this journey but it's a choice. And Mm. I know I've had to do that a lot in the last little while. Hey, this is where I'm going. And I don't want to leave you behind. I'd love you to come on this journey. And this is the journey I'm going on. And Mm. I think just knowing that you're not the only person doing that and there's others that are having to sort of go, oh, okay, come on, everybody. Come on, we've got this. You know, I think that's a powerful moment. So thank you for that and sharing that. And yeah, is there anything else you want to make sure that you've said here on the decision table that I haven't given you the chance to? I think the main thing is that every person is immensely valuable, even if they don't realize it and has a lot to give and it all starts with them. So Yeah, back yourself, live your dreams essentially because your dreams are fully, fully accessible. The only reason you don't think you can achieve your wildest dreams is because you are telling yourself you can't, but you can. And there are people out there to help you kind of get to that place in your mind where you can just thrive. So find a community, find your people, you know, choose your friends wisely. And yeah, and live your best life. I love that. What a beautiful way to end the live broadcast. I'm going to finish it now. Thank you so Uh much. Pleasure. Great to chat with you. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.